Hello everybody and welcome to Goldbridge Saves Football, the podcast that's putting a cat amongst the pigeons. But more about that in a moment because we've got lots to talk about. The international break is over, so we're back talking about Premier League football, but it's also the return of the Champions the Champions League, but not as we know it. Well, this season as we know it, but next season it's going to change completely. I'm furious, I'm outraged, it's ridiculous, the new format We'll try and save football, but UEFA won't listen. But we'll talk and explain what's going to happen in the Champions League, both this season and next season. Also, I'm absolutely fuming. I'm absolutely terrified. I'm ridiculously upset about some comments coming out from so-called expert pundits that we've actually created a new section. You've been putting your comments in on the community tab on YouTube. We are going to bring this into the show each week now on the podcast uh, some of the most stupidest comments from pundits each week. Um, obviously, Gabby Bonglahor will probably be in there, although surprisingly this week he isn't. Maybe he's so stupid in his comments that people have become immune to it. But we've got lots of stuff about that. The one that's got my goat is um, a few people saying about, you know, Man United fans shouldn't be moaning about the Glazers. Stick your nose in a, in a boxing ring, get punched on it. You can't complain. Well, this is what's going to happen in relation to that. Also, bit topical as always, we'll be talking about the flops and successes of the season so far, specifically teams. Spurs fans are going to be going, what about us? What about us? What about us? And uh, people are going, you've got to put Man United in there, Mark. You can't be biased. Look, Man United, it's hard at the moment. It's a hard watch. It's like when you go on the internet to look a bit of porn and it's buffering. It's frustrating. Um, It's not a hard watch, is it? Because it's not working in that sense. But um, it's a frustrating watch. And uh, we are buffering big time at the moment, uh, Manchester United. So maybe we will, we will, we will, we will, we will, we will, we will will talk about those. I also want to talk about Chelsea. They're definitely flopping this season. Have they wasted a billion pounds? We'll look at the money they've spent and the problems they've got, of course. Lots to get into there. But look, let's start off with the Champions League. In fact, let's start off with the podcast. I just want to congratulate. We've been going for, what, five or six weeks now? Incredible feedback. Uh, make sure you leave your comments on Spotify. You can do that. Make sure you give us a follow wherever you are, iTunes or, or, or Spotify or anything else. Don't know anything else, but, you know, great if you're listening. And um, give us a review. Give us a follow. Make sure you're listening every week because we have put a cat amongst the pigeons in the podcast world. I don't know whether you know about the podcast world, but um, it's very much for the coffee makers. Now, coffee makers are people who go into an industry with a degree and basically make the tea and kiss ass to get to the top. And these people become what I call bitter bastards um, and start taking a shot at the working class, of which I am. Uh, what is the working class in this industry? Well, it's the people who are self-made, who you know have no degree in journalism or no ex-playing uh, CV or no uncle who works at the radio station. This is completely self-made people. We're the working class. And podcast is very middle class. Um, it's that they've, they've, they've held this space for a long, long time um, and they're getting a bit bitter now. We've, put a, we've, we've not put a cat amongst the pigeons in the podcast world. We've put a lion there. And um, if these pigeons have survived, which they haven't, because a lion will literally ravage them, um, they, they would literally have, uh, they'd be choking on their own feathers, but they're already dead because a lion would destroy a pigeon. And that's basically what this podcast is doing at the moment. So make sure you give it um, a follow and, uh, and a listen each week because they're jealous because the podcast, since we've launched it, has consistently been in the Champions League spots in relation to the top UK podcasts. We've consistently been in the top four. 
and kicked a lot of the coffee makers out. Um, so thank you very, really, uh, very much for that. Um, we will also be talking about the mainstream a little bit as well, because they obviously are getting quite scared of what the new media is. But um, it's a movement, Goldbridge Saves Football. It's a way of life. And thanks, everyone, for supporting it, because you make it what it is. And talking about the Champions League spots, let's start off with the Champions League, because it's back this week. There is a new format next year. But in relation to this year, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Well. I'm not going to dwell too much on this in relation to teams because I think Man City will be the winner of it, as boring as that is, uh, same as the Premier League. But one area I would keep an eye on this season is the who's going to be the top scorer in the Champions League this season. I think it's very easy to say Erling Haaland, but the competition is very competitive in the knockout stage. And Haaland didn't actually score that many goals in the latter stages last year. He certainly didn't score in the final. So what price are Harry Kane at Bayern Munich? Or should I say... Lewandowski at Barcelona, or maybe you fancy an Mbappe at PSG or an Osman at Napoli. That's like I'm selling ice cream here, isn't it? Um, do you want a do you want a Twister? Uh, do you want a Cornetto? Um, Ramos at PSG. Champions League experience with Benfica going to PSG. I think PSG are a big unknown this season. I do like the Champions League. There's a there's an intellect to the Champions League, isn't it? Because it, it opens your eyes to. Yeah, it's like it's like holidaying in, in, in Skegness and Cornwall and never leaving the UK. And then suddenly you're off to Portugal in the Algarve or you might be going to the south of France in a camp, on a camping holiday or or, or, or maybe yeah, that sounds very middle class. Maybe you're just going to Benidorm. Everybody can do it. But yeah, I like the Champions League. I like the I like I, I like the levels of European football. And I think PSG are a very interesting side this year because they've abandoned, whether willingly or not, they've abandoned the whole. Um, what would I say, Messi, Neymar, Galactico approach. And uh, they've recruited well. Agate is a good signing. Ramos is a good signing. There are others. Don't know the names. Can't be bothered to research it, but they could be interesting. But with regards to top scorer, a lot of people are going to go Haaland. I would love, I would love, in the words of Fabrizio, I would love Harry Kane to win top goal scorer um, with Bayern Munich. And keep an eye on Bayern Munich. I think Bayern Munich played the best against Man City last year, even though the scoreline didn't reflect it. They were very good in possession. They were just let down by Up Meccano and the lack of a striker. Well, Kim Min-Jae and Kane are there. We're going to get first-hand experience of what Bayern are all about because they're going to play against Man United this week, aren't they? But uh, maybe, 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 maybe Bayern Munich could be decent. But Harry Kane for top goal scorer, I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, Spurs fans, uh, I can hear you. Even though, oh, I've just, I've just, compl- I've just completely forgotten to say something. I, I, I'm outraged. Will, I forgot about Will. Will's not here. Um, Will's, Will's taking a break. Um, he's uh, uh, basically lounging around in Greece. And by that, I don't mean he's, you know, the hideous Will on his balcony in his London flat, rubbing himself down in olive oil. Um, He's not greasing himself. He's in Greece, lying down, probably having a some sort of beverage uh, and, a, and a nice little break. So there is no will to... I, just, I, was, I was so panicked about doing the podcast without Will that I completely just went into it like a, you know, um, a rabbit up a raindripe. A raindripe and a rabbit. A rat up a drain pipe. Why do rats run up drain pipes? Oh, there's definitely a podcast in this. There's definitely... There's a non-sports Goldbridge podcast. You know, there's, there's just so many things I'd love to talk about, like how fast polar bears are. Like they're really fast. A, a polar bear can run quicker than a car doing 35 miles an hour. That, that's a that's a crazy thought. 
It is a crazy thought. Anyway, yeah, so the absence of Will this week is because he's taking a holiday. And I said, look, I'll do the podcast on my own. And obviously I am. I'm, I'm grabbing that podcast by the reins and riding it hard. Um, and I think it's going well. And I've got no feedback at the moment. So there we go. But um, Spurs fans, um, I hear shouting in the background. I do. I hear Spurs fans in my head all the time because they always go, you know, you, you've said we won't get top eight. Well, I'm not talking about that at the moment, but you're not in the Champions League. So be quiet. Um, I, I just want to say Spurs fans, a lot of people are going on about Spurs, Spurs, Spurs. What are you, you going to change your opinion on Spurs? They've had a good start to the season. When are you going to change your opinion about Spurs? You said Madison was going to be a flop. You said we wouldn't finish in the top eight. Look, enjoy yourselves. Enjoy yourselves because you don't know what's coming next. I think Chelsea. I don't know why Chelsea came into my head, but I think Chelsea are massively underachieving and I think Spurs are doing really well. I don't even think, I wouldn't even say overachieving. That could be disrespectful. But Spurs remind me of a cat chasing a laser pen. It looks really good. It looks great fun. They're jumping around with a smile on their face. Cats Can cats smile? I, I don't know, but they look like they're smiling. It's a great show. That laser pen's attractive. The cat's jumping around with dexterity and finesse. But ultimately, they're never going to catch the laser pen and they're going to tire. And soon that visual athleticism is going to stand aside for tiredness and ultimately empty handedness. So at the moment, I still think Spurs are a cat chasing a laser pen. Um, There will be nothing at the end of it. But enjoy it. Enjoy it while it lasts. Back to the Champions League, I have to say, and I don't, I don't want to talk about this for too long because, I, I, you know, there are other angry things I want to talk about, like the stupid pundit comments I'm going to talk about. But there is a new Champions League format next season, and I do not like it. I do not like it at all. So currently, the Champions League format, as we know it, groups of four, top two go through to the knockout stage, third place goes to the Europa League, and fourth place goes home with nothing, not even bus fare. The new format is incredible. 36 teams in one league. Those 36 teams will be divided into four pots of nine. Pot one will contain the top the top eight clubs on the UEFA coefficient. I'll talk to you about that in a minute. And the previous Champions League winner. So basically, and then pot two will be, you know, the next nine of clubs ranked on the coefficients list. What's the coefficients list, says somebody? The coefficients list will be how each club is ranked by UEFA. They have one at the moment. I would imagine in the top nine at the moment, you've probably got teams like Liverpool and Real Madrid, etc. And it's ranked on your achievements in Europe over the last few years. So we're going to have 36 teams in one league next season. The group stage of the Champions League disappears like a turd down the toilet, forgotten forever. Next season, we'll have one league of 36, but you don't play 35 teams, you play eight. You play two teams from pot one, two teams from pot two, two teams from pot three, two teams from pot four. So Liverpool next season, if they qualify for the Champions League, might not, but let's see, they will play two teams from pot one. So they could play Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. They'll play Real Madrid at home, Bayern Munich away. There'll be no return game against Real Madrid. You play eight teams from the 36, Four at home, four away. So you might get Real Madrid at the Bernabeu, but you won't play them at Anfield, but you will get four games home and away. Eight games, add your points up. Where are you in the league? So everyone plays eight games, but they don't play each other. They don't play everyone in the league. 
at the end of the league stage, which will be the end of January now, not December, you've played eight games. Where you are in the league is based on the points you've got. The top eight go through to the round of 16 and then nine to 24 play a knockout round to see who joins the other that, that eight in the, in the knockout stage. So basically, we're playing more games and 24 out of the 36 teams in that league will go through to the knockout stage. What's that? Over 66% of the teams are going to go through to the knockout stage. I'll tell you what this is, Will, and you're not even here, but I'll tell you what it is. It's money. It's just money. It's more games. It's more money. And who benefits? The clubs and the organisations. And who is the victim? Well, I'll tell you who the victim is. There's not one. If this was a murder, it would be serial killer because there's more than one victim. The victim is the fans. It's it's more games to watch. It's more expenditure, etc., etc. But it's also a dilution of quality, which we're already seeing. Footballers are having to play more games and we're seeing a dilution in quality. We're seeing more injuries. And footballers are actually a victim for the first time ever because they don't get paid any more money to play the more games. You think about it, if a footballer like Bruno Fernandes has now got to play four or five more games a season because the Champions League's expanded, he's still on two, 200 grand a week, doesn't get paid anymore, and actually is more risk of injury. So I completely do not like this format. I can see it for what it is. It's just a Super League in a different dress and or suit, let's be fair. And um, I think that realistically, I I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I, I don't see the value in it. Some people have said, well, at least you'll see, because in the group stage, they'll be playing, not the group stage, the league stage, you might see Liverpool play Real Madrid. But 24 out of 36 teams are going to qualify. So even if Liverpool got beat by Real Madrid, it's not they're not, they're not going to get locked, knocked out. At least in the current format, if you look at United's league group this season, you've got Bayern Munich, Man United, Galatasaray, Copenhagen. Man United could finish third. And then they're out. They're in the Europa League because the top two go through. I don't like the format. It's silly. And it's a, in fact, it's a stronger word than silly, but that's what we're left with. Um, and that is basically the new Champions League. And of course, the worst bit about it is, and there's a lot of worse bits, is that because they're going to give some extra spots out to the best ranked coefficient leagues, I think it's seven out of the last eight seasons, the Premier League has been in the top two. So we'll get an extra spot every year which means our top four race is going to become a top five race, which dilutes the quality of the Premier League as well. So I'm dead against it. I'd change it if I could, and I'd keep it how it is, because I think it works how it is. I think this is a change that we are, as fans, going to have to get on board with, and we're going to have to like, and we will get probably get used to. But know this, it's about money. That's all it's about. It's about money. It's about more games. And that's not good for fans and that's not good for players. We're getting so many injuries now. Um, I think it's a real shame. I think it's a real shame. Um, but am I surprised? No. Um, I think it's a step down from the Super League, uh, which was going to be abhorrent. But I don't like this new format at all. I think it's a disgusting disgrace, if I'm being honest with you. Right. Let's get a bit more topical. I mean, you can't get more topical than that, I know. But, um, you know, um, this is what you get on this podcast. But I don't like doing the topical stuff where you're talking about, oh, you know, Arsenal played Everton at the weekend. Let's digest everything about that. I don't like that sort of stuff. There's plenty of podcasts who do it, and I think it gets a bit repetitive after after a couple of minutes. Um, but what I want to, what I do want to do, we've had five games in the Premier League. Who have been the big successes of the season so far and who have been the flops? 
And I think that's an interesting thing to look at because we've mentioned Spurs and I think Spurs are doing really, really well at the moment. Uh, I think we've got two games coming up against Arsenal and Liverpool where they'll really be tested, of course. But uh, yeah, there's no doubt Spurs are one of the teams of the season so far. And I think you can do that. I think it's good to just keep revisiting the progress because West Ham had a good start. Then they've lost to uh, Man City and they're probably a little bit now, what's our season going to be after good wins against Brighton and Chelsea? And I think West Ham can still have a good season. Uh, I think Brighton have been fantastic. Um, Although I don't appreciate the TikTok. That was a violation. I've always been a big fan of Brighton, um, but Brighton can piss off now after that. But no, seriously, um, if you're going to get stuffed by somebody, and Man United certainly did, then uh, some some people like a good stuffing. Um, but I think that if you're going to get stuffed by somebody, I need to stop saying that, then Brighton tend to be everybody's second favourite team. So they're doing really well at the moment. They've got to be one of the successes of the team uh, of the season so far. And I think Liverpool, uh, Forest, I think should be there, taking six points from Chelsea and um, when they've had Chelsea away, Arsenal away, Man United away and, and Sheffield United at home. I think they've had a good start. But Liverpool, you know, unfashionable or not, I think Liverpool... I mean, I actually, I just want to just say this is quite interesting. Uh, we had a chat come in from at Nuru on the uh, community tab on uh, That's Football YouTube channel where you can... We do put, put stuff up for the podcast, actually. And we're going to talk about that stupid pundit comment of the week in a moment. But he said it's not a pundit quote, but I feel like Liverpool is always uh, not being embraced. By the media, uh, Liverpool will never have the same media coverage as Man City and other clubs. I thought it was a good point because I don't notice loads about Liverpool, if I'm being honest. But where you went wrong, Nuru, is that you compared yourself to Man City. If Liverpool are getting less attention than Man City, you've got a problem. I'll give you a bit of an analogy. If you're in a nightclub and you put your best shirt on and uh, you've got, you know, you're after shave your hair, everything like that, and you're getting no attention from the ladies or the men or the them. I don't know what you're looking for, but, and you, you, you know, it's just the way it is. If you're getting no attention, you might think you're, you're a bit like Liverpool. You can't say Man City are getting more attention because that would be like a rotting corpse being sat in the bar and getting more attention than you because Man City don't get any attention. They don't. That's one of Man City's big problems. Even Man City fans would admit they don't really get any attention. So, look, Liverpool, I think, have had a really good start to the season. I've said before about Klopp. What he's done with that midfield is incredible. Over one summer to replace a midfield entirely, the core of your team, and then to be up there like they are at the moment, I think Liverpool are doing really, really well. Um, I think there's a few teams that are sort of in the middle at the moment that I can't make my mind up about. Brentford, Fulham, Crystal Palace... Aston Villa, they're all teams that I think over the next few weeks we'll find out more about. You know, they definitely could move up. I think Villa are having a good season. I think some people think they're not, but they've only lost to Liverpool at Anfield and Newcastle at St. James's Park, which I think a lot of people will do. So I keep an eye on those. But the two definitive flops of the season so far have to be Manchester United and Chelsea. Um, I'm not going to talk about Manchester United a lot because I do that on the United stand on YouTube. Give it a watch. But yeah, Man United are disappointing at the moment. Uh, certainly not hitting the heights they should be. Uh, third last season and we're conceding a lot of goals and we've lost three out of five. It's a bad start and that's not the standard you would have expected. So Man United are definitely one of the flops of the season so far. Plenty of time to go. And, and probably more, well, not I wouldn't say more surprisingly, but Chelsea. Chelsea are terrible. I mean, they can't score goals. They are just a bunch of misfits. Like, have they wasted a billion pounds? God, yes. God, yes, they have. 
And I don't know how it gets better for Chelsea. I mean, I predicted that Chelsea would be a flop this season in the sense that I think if Chelsea finish outside the top seven, that's bad considering the manager they've got and the players they've got. But the enormity of the task that Pochettino faces cannot be underestimated. I mean, no one's going to get sympathetic with him having an injury crisis, but the reality for Chelsea at the moment is hitting harder than a drunk trying to do the moonwalk. Think about it, they fell over. And I don't know how it gets any better for Chelsea. I mean, I was looking at the money they've spent. They spent a billion pounds, right? This is what Chelsea have spent, a billion pounds, right? They've spent 260 million on midfielders like Casido, uh, Enzo uh, Fernandez and Lavia. 260 million pounds on three midfielders. Defensively, I think they've spent nearly 300 million pounds on the likes of Fofana, Cucurella, Koulibaly, Desarsi, Babichil. How do you spend that volume of money on players and not go to Napoli and say there's 150 million pounds for Osman? And it's, I mean, it's, I mean, sometimes football. I think football is very simple. I, I you know, I, I, I've lived by this logic all all my life. Football is a beautiful, beautiful game, but it's a simple game. Uh, it's a bit like having a beautiful wife. You know, they're beautiful, but they're simple. And that doesn't mean they're stupid. What I mean is. They have simple requirements, you know, food. They don't want to go Michelin star. They're they're quite happy to go to McDonald's. You know, they don't want to go and watch the opera. They're more than happy to watch Netflix and chill, literally. And I think football's a bit like that. It's beautiful, but it's simple. It's a simple game. And I don't know why Chelsea, for all their expertise and money that they've spent, I don't know why they haven't gone We've got a billion pounds here. Let's just go to Napoli or Naples, as they call it, and give them 150 million pounds for Osman. Maybe 150 million euros, Todd. I like what you're thinking. I like what you're thinking. But it would have got like they would have took that. I've heard people say, well, you know, you say that, but they might not have sold him. Come on. You've spent a billion pounds in 12 months and you don't think you could knock on the door of Benfica for Ramos or Juventus for Vlahovic, or Napoli for Osman, that there were opportunities. There were opportunities there. And um, I think Chelsea have just missed them. I think they've spent money badly. I think they, I wouldn't say they've wasted a billion because some of the players are good. But you look at the volume of players, Sterling, Koulibaly, Cucurella, Fafana, Badashil, Mudrik, Madawiki, Gusto, Enzo, Jackson, Nkunku, Desarsi, Casido, Lavia. There are more. And I go... That literally is like going into Selfridges or some other expensive clothes shop and you want a suit, but you end up buying an expensive T-shirt, an expensive butt bra, a miniskirt, a miniskirt, a pair of trainers, you know, some sort of cap, um, shorts. You, they're all expensive and they're all nice, but you put them all on. You look a prat. You know, you buy a suit, a shirt, a pair of trousers, a blazer, a pair of shoes and a jacket. It works. It's worked for years. People in the 1800s used to walk around like that. 200 years later, it still works. A suit, well fitted. But you buy a pair of trainers, some fluorescent socks, a cap, a bra, a mini skirt, a jacket. You know, you're going to start looking like a prat. And uh, that's nothing against mini skirts or bras or socks or trainers. but 
they all look good individually, but you've got to build a team. And Chelsea haven't done that. And uh, I think that this is the problem that Pochettino faces. And they are a flop at the moment. What have they got? Five points from 15? And the scary thing is, in their first five games, they've played Nottingham Forest, um, Bournemouth and West Ham. They've also played Luton, which they won in Liverpool. But they, you would expect more points for the players they've got. So I'd be worried about Chelsea. I wouldn't be looking to sack Pochettino, but I think I, I would be worried about them. They are a flop so far. Anyway, uh, this is a new section of the podcast, and I think this is probably going to be the best section of the podcast. Um, I'm a little bit tired. I'm a little bit tired of this. And uh, effectively, um, look, we'll start off with Ali McCoist. He's had a bad week. Uh, we're going to talk. I love Ali McCoist. I think he's arguably one of the best commentators out there. I think he won that last year. And I really like him, but it doesn't mean he's immune to silly comments. And I suppose I'd be a sympathizer of this. When you spend a lot of time talking, there's a higher increase percentage that you're going to talk some shit. And he's had two this week. So basically, we're looking for comments from pundits to be our stupid comment of the week. I might I might feature in there at some point. I famously did say that when Liverpool bought... Chris Smalling, uh, ruined the joke now. When Liverpool bought Van Dijk, I said they bought the Dutch Chris Smalling. It doesn't work because Van Dijk obviously was brilliant, but Chris Smalling ain't too bad. But basically, Ali's had two this week. One of them was Scott McTominay walks into that Man United side. Well, he's sort of right because Scott McTominay played for Man United at the weekend and did a very good impression of a walking midfielder. But it's crazy. It's absolutely stupid to think that Scott McTominay walks into that Man United side. He's just simply not good enough. And then another one, which also Paul Merson mentioned about. This is an assist from Merson and McCoist, which would, in their prime, it would have worked quite well. Merson to McCoist, it's a goal for Rangers. The Glazers aren't losing Welbeck's run, says Ali McCoist. The Glazers are a problem, but they are not diving into the tackle to stop the gross goal. Ali McCoist claims Man United players must take more responsibility, more responsibility for defeats. And I think this was followed up by Paul Merson, who basically said United fans need to stop using the Glazers as an excuse after every defeat. Well, I have got something to say about this as a Manchester United fan, and it's this. Educate yourselves or keep your gobs shut. Basically, everyone's entitled to an opinion. That's the world we live in. Great. But if you're going to talk about something, understand it. Everton have just been taken over by triple seven, isn't it? Or something like that. I don't know whether that's good for Everton. I don't know whether it's bad for Everton. I haven't really done any research on it and I'm not an Everton fan. I can say I think it's a mistake. I think it's great. But Everton fans will know more than me about whether it's good or bad, whether it's worth the risk, whatever, because it's their football club. It's just ridiculous that people keep going, oh, after every defeat, Man United fans talk about the Glazers. It's not the Glazers' fault that Martinez, you know, got dummied by Gross. You know, it's not the Glazers' fault that people haven't tracked Welbeck's run. I mean, it's it's like blaming the waiter for the restaurant serving up shit. Like, Man United are failing as a football club because of the way it's run. The problems in that football club, it's got more holes than a hedgehog's lilo. I've used that before and I'll use it again because it's true. Man United are not a very good side because of who owns it. Brighton are not making mistakes as a team on the pitch as much as Man United because they run well off the pitch. The Glazers are running that club into ground. 
the, the, the stadium is rotting. The club is in huge debt. The board and the recruitment team that they recruit, that they, they have working for them are not very good. And this leads all the way down to the pitch where there are huge uh, morale problems, motivational problems. The club is in turmoil and it starts at the top. So all these people who start going, well, you can't blame the Glazers because of uh, Martinez making a mistake at the back. But you can. Of course you can. Recruitment's a huge part. The, 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 the discipline's a huge part. The feel-good factor in the club is a huge part. Heads are dropping at Man United more than they are around Henry VIII. It's, it's, it's ridiculous how low the morale is at Manchester United. And it comes from the top. So I think this sort of punditry is... It's, it, it's uneducated and it's inflammatory. Because basically what they're, tell, what, what, what they're, what they're trying to say is they know better than Manchester United fans. Well, you don't. You don't know better than Man United fans. You can have an opinion... But it's not a definitive opinion. You can't sit there and say Man United fans are wrong to moan about the Glazers every time they lose. But the club's in a mess. It's been a mess for it's been in a mess for a decade. It's like saying Chelsea fans don't have a right to moan that Todd Bowley's spending the money badly because he spent a billion. They should be happy. Well, that's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So Chelsea fans should go. Oh, you know, we're just grateful that we spent a billion pounds. Doesn't matter if we wasted it. Like it's ridiculous. Every fan of every club has the right to have their say on their club because they follow it. And I think some of these pundits just come out with stupid decisions, uh, stupid, stupid comments all the time. Um, just going through some of yours, though. Um, uh, th- this is an interesting one. Shoot Swish on, on YouTube says, I don't like the pundits that were blaming Alisson for Hoang Hee Chan's goal against Liverpool. I mean, it's, it's topical. Um, I don't think he was really at fault for that goal at all. I think it was... Uh, I think Liverpool's defence was in trouble as soon as Neto burst through. Uh, cross comes to the back post, shoots, goes through Robertson. And I think Alisson probably reacts a little bit later than he would have liked to. I mean, it's not a clangor. Um, but but I've said this before and I've spoken to um, uh, Ben Foster about this as well. That They really haven't got a clue. They really haven't got a clue. We had it with Gary Neville saying that Alisson's save against Newcastle a few weeks ago was average from Almiron. And it wasn't average. It was a match saver. And Liverpool ultimately kept it at 1-0 and then went and won it late on didn't they so that that save was world class anyway but it was it, it was an inspiring save um but Gary Neville hasn't played in goal and doesn't know anything about playing in goal apparently and I think a lot of pundits haven't got a clue about playing in goal because it's a, spec, a specialist position of course um another one here from Knight R7 Martin Keown on TalkSport saying United aren't any better without Maguire in the team after he didn't play there all last season and our defence was fantastic but because it's been a slow start this season it suits the narrative to protect him well the the the, the narrators of the PR spin is what I would call these people we had it last week didn't we um I actually had people I wasn't on the show and they wouldn't get me on the show, which tells you everything. But there was people phoning up last week and um, they were Simon Jordan was, I think, was was agreeing with it. You can see Simon Jordan, Simon Jordan's podcast, actually. If you go outside the top, you'll, you'll see Goldbridge saves football in the top four. I think if you go down from 10 to 20, you'll probably find Simon Jordan's podcast. Um, uh, it's had a lot of backing and, he, and, he, and he's really hoping it does well. So uh, if you want to find it, just go from Goldbridge Saves Football down about 10 places and you might find it. But effectively, it's the only, it's the only, it's the only um, conversation we'll have because he, he won't dare speak to me about anything in a one-to-one situation. But um, they were phoning in last week and he was nodding his head apparently going, oh, this Maguire hate all comes from Goldbridge. He's a bully and an abuser. and 
but it's this sort of nonsense that feeds the conversation about Maguire. Um, and this is the mainstream tactic these days. They can't beat the numbers or passion that you have for things like we do. So they have to try and defeat it in another way by undermining it. They don't watch it. They don't listen to it, but they create inaccuracies about it. So if if Martin Keown has said that Man United are a better team, aren't a better team without Maguire in it, Harry Maguire has not been in the Man United side since the start of last season consistently. And the last time Maguire was a consistent starter for Manchester United was under Ranić when we had our worst ever Premier League points total and uh, we ended up in the Europa League. We consistently played Varane, Martinez or Lindelof last season. We finished third and we won a trophy and we went to another final. So we are better without Maguire in it. It's a fact. But you give somebody a platform on national radio like Martin Keown and he can literally talk nonsense. Um, and then they start going, and it's not right. It's not. So, so basically, they talk nonsense and say, um, you know, Man United to be a better team with Maguire in it when it's been proven not to be the case. And then anybody who's got a different opinion to me is bullying Maguire. So effectively, being a bully is just having a different opinion to the mainstream because ultimately, the bullying opinion is Maguire's not good enough for Man United and therefore shouldn't be playing for England. And the facts are he doesn't play for Man United. So why does he play for England? That is an abusive and bullying comment, apparently. But they can say Man United are better with Maguire in it, even though facts say it's not. Uh, it's one opinion against another. But ultimately, it's um, it's a narrative that's being rammed down our throat. And look, Gareth Southgate caused that last week. Gareth Southgate against Scotland realised that his decision had bit him on the arse. He'd selected a player that doesn't play club football. He'd brought him on in a game he didn't need to. He scored an own goal. And Southgate will have planted the seed in his head in that second half and gone... I'm going to get a load of stick here for picking Maguire and he scored an own goal. I know. Let's come out and say that it's the disgrace the way he gets booed by Scottish fans and it's Man United fans' fault as well. And it's the deflection, PR spin, to actually move us away from the fact that why is a player like him and Calvin Phillips being picked for England when they don't play for their club? But no, it's um, it's not my inadequacy and incompetence that's caused this. It's um, unfair criticism of a player and it's out of hand so it's out of hand for fans to say it's not fair that you're picking a, a guy who doesn't play club football ridiculous um let's have a look at some of your other stuff uh you can't win anything with kids alan hansen that's a long time ago and uh, he's apologized for that profusely um o'hara taking a pop at casemiro god forbid they pick on the british players for a change well you know my opinion on that. I think it was, uh, I think in fairness to Jamie O'Hara, he just said that uh, Casemiro looked like um, he'd given up against Brighton, but um, comparable to what Scott McTominay's performance was, trust me, it was nowhere near as bad. But Casemiro has fallen off a cliff a little bit recently, I think. Um, uh, what about Goldbridge protecting Tension Haggis or Ten Hag, who is protecting the Glazers? We need them out, says Shagadelic. Um yeah, supporting your manager who had a good season last season. I don't, I don't, I don't see a problem with that. I don't see a problem with that at all. I think, uh, you know, sticking with your manager. I mean, it's interesting though, isn't it? I mean, we were talking about this last week. Who's going to be the first manager to get the sack? Uh, looking at the weekends and looking at the results again, I said last week Gary O'Neill, but they played very well for forty-five minutes. But results are going to be important. And I say it again: Everton, Sean Dyche, Arsenal. Goodison Park, 70 minutes, park the bus football. I'm telling you now, I went and watched a, a, a non-league game at the weekend on Sunday morning and they're passing out from the back. You know, their fullbacks are pushing forward. 
They're playing a high line. This is amateur non-league football. And Everton at Goodison Park in front of, what, tens of thousands of fans are sitting there, 11 men behind the ball for 70 minutes. Arsenal score and they suddenly open up. It's like, I don't think, and I like Deitch. I could have had Sean Deitch. In fact, I could have done that. That would have worked really well. We haven't got Will today, but we have got Sean Deitch. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts about your tactics, Sean? Well, at the end of the day, I'm fed up of, I'm fed up of knockers. And I'm not talking about boobs. I'm talking about the knockers who, who don't like Everton and my style of football. You talk about Goldbridge ball, but Deitch ball would beat it up. If it was in a boxing ring, Deitch ball will beat Goldbridge ball. And I, I'm tired of the criticism at the end of the day. And uh, I tell you what, uh, I think I need to stop because uh, you wouldn't be able to get away with this for more than two minutes. Whether it was a good Deitch or not, I don't know because I'm wearing headphones and I find it hard to do accents when I'm wearing headphones. But uh, I couldn't do Sean Deitch for very long. It would hurt my throat. That sounds bad, but you know what I mean. Um, but no, I, I think that when you look at the Fulhams of the world and the Brightons of the world, they, they, they're unfashionable teams. They're not expected to do well, but they do do well. And they do well because they're coached well and they play a relatively, or I would say, definitely attractive football so I look at Everton and I go I like Deitch but do you need to play that brand of football in the Premier League now so what if you get I mean they're fighting relegation every year playing that brand of football would you not rather be fighting relegation with a better brand of football and I think that this is this is this is a problem it is a problem for Everton and I think it's a a problem that that you know football for, for its betterment I think we see better football now and I'm glad it's not a topic that we have to discuss whereby we're like, oh, the standard of football is rubbish in the Premier League. And, and it has gone through those phases over the last 30 years. But I think that the, the standard of football in the Premier League right now is, is really, really good. And I'm no Arsenal fan, but I wanted them to beat Everton yesterday because I was like, it was anti-football. I mean, I'm very proud of the Premier League. And I think it's definitely the most entertaining league in the world. And it's arguably got the best players in the world. But... Sometimes you watch a game and you go, oh, it's the old cliche, that's a bad advert for the Premier League. And that was a bad advert for the Premier League. And I think, look, Man City are very good, boringly good. Um, I might have to retract my statement that they'll have it won by Christmas because they could have it won by Halloween at this stage. Scooby-Doo! But I don't know, what what Scooby-Doo got to do with Halloween? Um, I've got to question myself there. I suppose they always used to be ghosts and stuff and they'd take the, the head off. That's Henry VIII again. You know what I mean. Scooby-Doo. But Man City are too good for this league. And if you took them out of it, it would be brilliant. But that's the challenge for everybody else. But I think beyond Man City, so many games are good games. Like so, the, the speed of the Premier League, the, the the intent of most teams in the Premier League is to go out and score goals. And I, I think it's, uh, it's a fantastic league. I'm not going to deny it. I think it's absolutely incredible. And long may it continue. Long may it continue. And long may this podcast continue. I've, I almost feel like applauding myself. Rubbish applause. Could be could be me clapping, could be smacking a certain area of my skin. There's nobody else in the podcast, so it would only be self-inflicted. Um, look, you're legends. Uh, I hope Will's enjoying his Greece trip. He'll be listening to this on his Greece trip because he's still away, but he'll be back next week. Um, make sure you're giving it a download and a follow and telling everybody about it. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed doing the podcast today. Not because I had to, but because I wanted to and had to. Um, keep an eye on the That's Football community tab because that's where we pull a lot of our comments in. 
And also you can leave a comment if you're on Spotify anyway, and we're uploading some of those ones, especially if it says this is the best podcast in the world. Keep making a difference, everybody. We are really making a difference and it's upsetting people. And you know what? If that if all they're going to do is tell lies about us to try and shut us up and turn people against us, then keep at it because we're here to talk. That's what a podcast's all about. And um, it's doing great. So big, big shout out to all of you as per usual. Um, and we will be back, of course, next week with Goldbridge Saves Football, um, uh, interacting and talking about the things that you want to talk about, or more specifically, what I want to talk about and manipulate you into talking about. But that Champions League format, have a look about it. I can't stand it. It's bloody ridiculous, and I don't like it. Speak to you all next week. Take care.